This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. In order to get a free audiobook download and a free trial of their service, go to audibletrial.com forward slash bonfireside chat. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. This is the Nexus. It holds together the northern land of Boletaria. Thou canst not exit the Nexus. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat, an undead favorite. Yes, and this week we are beginning our discussion of Demon's Souls, which is an entirely different game than we have talked about before. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is as new for us as it is for you. Yes. Uh, we assure you. Um, so if you, I imagine most people who listen to season one are still listening. I, but if you are new to the show, if you hopped on, like maybe you're not into that whole, uh, dark souls thing and you're only into demon souls. Uh, hello and welcome. Yes. And we would like to tell you a little bit about us, just kind of like a brief little overview. So you Mm -hmm. feel welcomed into the fold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so, uh, my name is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. We podcast together. Um, you know, we are doing an in-depth look at Demon Souls, um, kind of area by area, um, going through talking about the lore, talking about the, uh, you know, individual kind of set pieces, bosses, enemies, mechanics, and doing a really, I without patting our own back at all, mm-hmm. I feel like Bonfireside Chat is as close up of a, as I've seen a game podcast be yeah. to something. We're real zoomed in. Yeah, it is very zoomed in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and we're going to try to give the same treatment to Demon Souls as best we can. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like like Gary said, we're picking an area for every episode. Uh, we're proceeding in kind of a strange format, uh, which we'll kind of like talk, you know, talk to a little bit later. But if you want to go to duckfeed.tv slash bonfireside chat, you can see a list of the episode breakdown um, mm-hmm. as as it's kind of like filling out. Um, additionally, um, on episodes, we're going to have guests, you know, for this intro one, we're, you know, we're just here by our lonesome, but, uh, we've got some people lined up, some exciting people, um, you know, for most of the episodes so far. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's something that you can expect kind of going forward here. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're slaves to a system, <laughs> uh, both of us. So we're going to keep the format the same, Yeah, you know, bookending with, uh, individual episodes and bookending with tutorials and hub areas, Yes, you know, and then kind of end game areas the same way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, additionally, um, like most podcasts, we do like a listener interaction kind of thing. Those are not in the main episodes. We actually give those their own episodes, which we call the appendices, uh, mm-hmm. which come out the week after um, a main episode. So if you yeah. would like to uh, respond to this, it's a little bit weird. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll let you know at the end of this and also on the appendix. Right, right. Think. I mean, it's pretty much like the show is weekly. Right. Um, and then finally, um, we just want to say because of the way that Demon Souls is structured. Um, it does not lend itself well to being cagey about spoilers. Right. So uh, we're not fucking around with spoilers for the for this game. By which I mean, 
uh, we are fucking around with them, <laughs> by which we mean uh, they are going to come out of our mouths as we say them. Yeah. So, so we are we're going to say spoilers in the game. Yeah. We can't guarantee that you're going to play through in the same order that we're talking about them. In fact, talking about the orders in these and you know and and talking about the levels in uh, in this order is not like advisable. Like actually playing them that way. Um, so just because we can't be sure, we have to say. Meh. I would probably like I personally won't go too far into like what happens in one three and one four and the end game um, until the very end. But there are things that we're going to have to allude to. Right. And there, there are things that kind of some of the pieces are set up yeah. for that end game. So we'll talk about it. I mean, we're not going to say do our final kind of take on the mm-hmm. game there. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, the reasons why we're doing it in this order and the reasons why you would not want to play in this order will become clear. Yeah. With any uh, with any luck, it, it was not a decision that was made haphazardly um, or without a lot of thought. So right. we spent a lot of time kind of considering how we we're going to tackle these areas. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, trust us on it. If yeah. and uh, and you've probably already played it. Yep. But in the the rare case that you haven't, um, we'll talk a little bit about how to approach the game. Yeah. Um, and in kind of like the weird little corner case, if you have played Demon Souls but not Dark Souls, or if you have played neither and you're trying to do Demon Souls first, we're probably going to liken certain things to Dark Souls or make references to things that are in Dark Souls. But uh, that shouldn't dilute your enjoyment of either game too much. Absolutely. Yeah. We're we're definitely taking this because that's how we played them. Right. Um, Cole, when you I know you dipped your toe in Demon Souls. Was it before you played Dark Souls? Um, no, no, it was after I played Dark Souls. Yeah, and I and I played Demon Souls after I'd played Dark Souls multiple times. So I know less about this game. Um, my points of comparison are Dark Souls. So we're kind of approaching it that way, just because like everything we do on the network, um, we're very experiential. Mm-hmm. So it's very much about the experience we're having rather than trying to purport a, a objective truth. So, yeah, those are kind of the ground rules, and you'll learn more about it as we as we go along. We're, we we have fun here, you know? We sit backwards on chairs. <laughs> yeah. We turn our hats sideways. If, if it's Friday, we can wear a T-shirt if it has the name of the company on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, the uh, otherwise, it's strictly uh, uh, business formal. Yes, otherwise. So, so tuxedos and tails. <laughs> yes. Only. But it's a black tie office. There's yeah. a strict demerit system. In yeah, place. yeah. Even for the ladies, especially for the ladies. Yeah, have um, you ever seen a lady in tuxedo tails? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of moving on uh, to some of the factual stuff about uh, about Demon Souls. Uh, you know, just to dig, just to make sure that everybody's starting on the same uh, on, on the same level here. Uh, Demon Souls RPG, action RPG that was released exclusively for the PS3 in 2009. Uh, naturally, it was developed by From Software. You know, same yes. people who did Dark Souls. Yep. I had no idea this was a PS3 exclusive until I went to go buy it. And then <laughs> like I went I went on PC and searched for it. I was like, that's strange. It's not on anything. And then I went to a GameStop and was looking through Xbox titles. And I stopped just short of asking the clerk <laughs> where the uh, Xbox version of uh, Demon's Souls was. Yeah. And then it, it did uh, cause me to buy a PS3. Um, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> but, yeah, and this game, um, so it sprung from Sony's desire to work with From to make a game that's like Kingsfield, but not actually a Kingsfield game, uh, since doing so would restrict them creatively. Um, the Kingsfield game are very, uh, they're very set as well. Yeah. Um, so they decided to do something totally new. Right. Um, so there's like a little bit of like a weird license thing, licensing thing in that Sony published this in Japan, so they own the rights, and that's why Dark Souls isn't Demon Souls 2, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, but so moving on the current, the chronology gets kind of tricky here since demon souls actually came before dark souls, but it's worth noting that they're actually incredibly similar. Uh, they control alike, uh, they have similar aesthetics and they share a lot of voice actors and like a handful of characters. Yeah. And then kind of themes and everything too. That was something, uh, my friend Levi, who has been on the show before really emphasized to me is that it's not a prequel or a downgrade. Right. To, to Dark Souls, and I, I agree with that, too. I think if I had to choose one, I would choose Dark Souls, but they're both just really excellent mm-hmm. standalone products. Right. Um, even though, you know, they are similar, Demon Souls is different from Dark Souls in a couple of ways, uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But the primary one is that the world, how the worlds are structured. So instead of being a big open world, Demon Souls is presented as a series of discrete stages that you can take on in pretty much any order. Uh, which is part of why uh, we're doing the the show the way we yeah. are. It's like a it's a weird reverse. Ah, we'll talk about this in the thirteen key differences segment. <laughs> yeah. So, so hold on to your hats for that one. Oh boy, <laughs> celebrating in anticipation yes. for thirteen key differences. <laughs> this shows you how much we think about it. The the the, yeah. the notes come out to seven pages, folks. Yeah. Um, so, um, and if you are playing along or if you are interested in uh, getting a hold of the game, we would ask that you consider doing it through uh, our Amazon link, which is at duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Uh, you can uh, just uh, click that Amazon link and then buy it. And then we get a little cut, help support the network, help support the show, et cetera. Uh, I hate being gross and doing that, but it seems like the proper time to mention that that is a possibility of you so choose. Especially if you're considering getting a PS3 <laughs> to play along with us, please use that tip jar. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the, the history of the game world as we're, as we're coming into it. Yes. Yes. We are nothing if not lore fiends, hounds, demons, we're lore yes. demons. Lore um, demons. And, so, and so this stuff is our bread and butter, our demon butter. Um, so <laughs> um, the mythology of Demon Souls is actually a little bit simpler uh, than Dark Souls, but it's still really worth talking about. I, I like it a lot. So mm-hmm. man was created with a soul. And this soul gave him sanity and clarity and the ability of, you know, the ability to think. This is the, the, the spark of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are also demons, which are, uh, um, you know, roaming around the world that feed on these souls to gain power uh, from them. The most, powerful, the most powerful of these demons, the archdemons, have accumulated so many souls that their power actually rivals the gods. And if you slay them, you can claim that power for yourself. Souls. Yes. <laughs> if you, so you, you, get the, you get those souls, but I mean... The, it's complicated yeah. how this, and then again, we'll, we'll talk about it. And it's part of the reason why it's harder to talk about is that even though the story is simpler, there, I feel like there are fewer things proportionally pointing towards it. Mm-hmm. Like the real story, like the actual right, right. kind of behind, behind the scenes stuff. So this is definitely kind of a surface level thing, but there's a lot of nuance even to these individual simple points. Right, right. Um, so, you know, demons kind of come and go throughout history, but things got crazy when King Alant the 12th, uh, started using soul powers to bring prosperity to his kingdom of Boletaria. Um, the bill eventually came due when a colorless fog started creeping over the land, cutting Boletaria off from the rest of the world and unleashing a serious demon infestation. Yes. So yes. Tur- turns out um, Alan's dealings awoke of the old one, a terrible tree-like monstrosity uh, that's let below the Nexus, a place of great power in Boletaria. Uh, his coming started a demon soul feeding frenzy as entire kingdoms were wiped out. Right. You definitely get the impression that this, uh, the old one, you know, it was there before it was put to sleep. Like this is a cyclical thing. Right. right. Like he's essentially like a gigantic cicada. Right. Um, that, you know, if you, uh, if you do the wrong thing, you bring out <laughs> cicada season. Um, and that's where the, the main character comes in. Um, there are several heroes that are kind of sent in to save Volataria and, uh, you are one of them. However, you're slain on the way into the, 
the kingdom, and your soul is captured and bound to the Nexus by the mysterious Maiden in Black. And she doesn't give you very much of a choice. Um, your spirit cannot leave the Nexus until the old one is put back to sleep. She cannot access the old one until the archdemons are killed. Yes. So that's all the stuff that's kind of revealed in the opening. As Gary said, there's a lot of nuance that we're very well aware of. Um, but yeah, that's the that that's kind of the the, the setting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so since we came to this game uh, from Dark Souls first, one of the things that I you know I wanted to make sure articulate are just the kind of the ways it's different in how it feels as opposed to how the the lore gets across. Right. Um, so we sat down. We have our 13 kind of key differences from Dark Souls. So if you're playing in the order we are. Um, you know, from Dark Souls to Demon Souls, uh, this is stuff to watch out for. If you played in the opposite order, uh, hopefully you agree and you can just kind of reverse them. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. This, this says stuff about Demon Souls too, not just in, you know. By yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not just, uh, you know, well, A jumps instead of B. You know, it's, it's nothing <laughs> like, quite like that. So. People from Lordran walk like this. <laughs> yeah. People from Bulletaria walk like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't dignify that with a laugh. That's pretty good. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I like the idea of like a, a bulletarian observational comic. Well, it would have to be patches because he's in both. Yeah, yeah, like uh, you know, trusty tonight only trusty patches. Um, if they ever do like a movie, you know, tonight only trusty Patton, and he'll. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've read his book. Hey. <laughs> Have, have you uh, have you you had the the Blighttown famous bowl? What they do is they take a bunch of swamp water, mashed potatoes, fried chicken, cheese, grundle fat, and they just slam it all into a bowl that you just mash into your maw, like you're uh, like you're the gaping dragon or something. It's, it's, it's a failure bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. It's a uh, a fester bowl. <laughs> Oh, maiden in black as a horse. Look at her dancing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I hope you enjoyed that two minutes. Of, yeah, <laughs> of of both alternative comedy and jokes referencing two specific games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll we'll be those those two. You know what that reminds me of though when you said that, and and we'll talk about it eventually um, in a totally different game. But the observational comic in Fallout Two is a <laughs> triumph of video game history. Huh. It's one of my favorite things that's huh. ever happened. So. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's kind of go through these differences here. Um, the first one is definitely kind of a kinesthetic thing. Um, movement just feels real different in, uh, Demon Souls. Um, for one, there's a lack of a medium roll. So you are either fat rolling or, uh, fast rolling. Yes. And, and that's it. And, uh, if you can handle fat rolling in any of these (laughs) games, like God help you because I can't, um, the, uh, the controls also way zippier. Like you, you move really quickly yeah. in this game. Um, you know, unless you're on a ladder in which like you take the ladders the same way I would. And I'm a clumsy person with neuropathy in my feet. So I have to, t- I have to walk down stairs slowly, let alone like a, a ladder. Like you are so considered, um, in how you climb up and down ladders. Luckily, there's only a few of them in the game. Right. Um, and then also just kind of like some of the timings are a little bit different. So like parry, riposte, backstab timing and distances are all a little bit different. Once you adjust, you'll, you'll know it. Um, and you'll be fine. But if you're used to just pairing fools like nothing in uh, Dark Souls, it'll take a little while to get used to here. Yeah, time and wind is a little bit shorter. Um, also, it's a little bit, it throws you off because a lot of the animations are kind of reused or repurposed. Yeah. And so, like, if you think, like, oh, I know this, nope, no, you don't. Right. <laughs> I, I will say, too, though, I think that the animations for repost and backstabs are cooler. Yeah. Like, they're way more brutal. 
mm-hmm. the the backstab where you get up on the person, kick off their back. Yep, <laughs> like that looks so cool. Like mm-hmm. every and it, and it has it's a louder sound. The sound effect is different mm-hmm. for it. It just has more impact, right. so it feels better to pull these things off that are a little bit harder to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving on to the second one, the economy is actually different. Individual enemies give you considerably fewer souls than in Dark Souls. Uh, you're going to get more of your solid upgrades from bosses, black phantoms, and uh, boss souls. Uh, um, or entire runs through levels as opposed to just kind of like hitting one area to farm. Right. With a couple of exceptions. Right. Like there are a couple of really obvious farming spots and demon mm-hmm. souls, but like yeah. when you're killing regular hollows, as opposed to getting maybe a hundred souls, you're maybe getting 13. Yeah. You know, so weak enemies uh, do not give you very much right. in the way. So it kind of emphasizes. So this, uh, you know, kind of emphasizes uh, you know, the kind of some of the mechanics, so the easy deaths that you're going to find in levels, the fact that levels are so long and you're more likely to die in them, you have a little bit less to lose because your nest egg is really going to come from the bosses mm-hmm. and then their soul items, which you can use for other things, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned before, the, the lore is a little bit different. We're going to talk about that through the entire run of the show, but just, you know, in the interest of complete le- completion, that is one of the things that's really different about this game. Yeah different tone to everything um mm-hmm. yeah moving on to number four here most of the levels are a straight line uh more or less if you play dark souls think like the painted world um even if this line is kind of like winding and circuitous there are fewer shortcuts um and the levels are actually like a lot longer uh than they were um you know than they are in dark souls mm-hmm. damn that chronology is gonna have to trip me up every single time <laughs> um the journey from the archstone of the boss uh to the boss is often long and not every trek has a shortcut, um, which is a big, you know, difference because Dark Souls is kind of all about shortcuts. Um, it feels kind of like Metroid-y in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, learning the most efficient path for you to uh, for, for you to travel through a, a long level is actually really, really important in this. Right. So, so in Dark Souls, you know, every once in a while you are graced with a bonfire that's right before a boss. A lot of times in Demon Souls, you know, that that distance between the art zone and the boss is set. So it's just about learning which enemies you can run past. Um, you know, and who you, what kind of areas you can roll through, maybe jumps you can take, things like that. Mm-hmm. There aren't technically shortcuts, but they're just kind of time-saving measures. Right. Um, this is because there are no bonfires. Right. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, the levels are essentially kind of spokes coming out from the nexus, discrete levels that branch out from one centerpiece. Right. You can work within them. I can't imagine running from the like from the from the main art stone to the end that was, yeah you know, cor- correct yeah correct yeah which is a stupid thing to say but just it just goes to show you like even you know, just how big these things are right it's a right, huge right, right. game um yep. let's look here this is back to the shortcut point for a little bit it makes it so when they do put in a shortcut you understand like oh they knew what they just made me go through yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, and, and cole's talking about uh five two yes so <laughs> the, uh, in case you were wondering uh, that's what what he was referring to. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's man, there are so few mm-hmm. uh, in the game. Like, you know, literal just kind of kick down a lever kind of thing like that. Are where do they do they exist other than in five? I guess they exist in two one. Yeah, they're in two well. one. Uh, there's one in one two or one one rather, uh, where yeah, you where, yeah, yeah. where you shortcut back to the beginning. Um, rare. Or, in order to fight the phalanx. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking at this, uh, there are no covenants. Um, instead, there are world tendencies. So and in dark- character tendencies, oh, which yeah. I forgot to put in the note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> two, two poorly explained systems that have something to do with either story or multiplayer 
um, covenants a little bit more scrutable and tendency uh, in general, both world and character, entirely inscrutable. Right, right. And we'll, I'm kind of a brief rundown on what those those things are because there's, it doesn't have to come in during the game. Like we're going to talk about tendency events. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing that I'll have firsthand experience with every tendency yeah. event. I'm going to try to get some more experience with it mm-hmm. as we play. But um, So character tendency, think of it in terms of alignment. Um, this is just how good or evil your character is. It's mostly determined by if you kill NPCs. Um, and this has effect on some weapons. Some weapons are stronger or weaker depending on your character tendency and will also make certain storyline and NPC events appear. Right. Um, world tendency, every world has a tendency from pure white to pure black. And uh, the things that factor into this is if you kill people, in the world, it darkens it. If you die as a human, right. which we'll talk about what that means, it darkens it. Um, if you help a human, help an NPC, or kill a boss, it lightens. Right. And this is pretty interesting in that it doesn't just make these kind of special uh, events happen. It also just changes how difficult the world is. Right. So if things are, you know, if you're doing good and killing demons, you, you have the wind at your back. Mm-hmm. But if you start kind of becoming a force of evil in the world, everything's going to get tougher for you. Yeah. And Um, it raises the risk reward because you actually get more souls for killing things in dark world tendency, which actually plays into the lore a little bit. Yep. Um, The game also, and they don't really do it now, but initially when people, when this game was current, I wish I could have been here for that from would do events. So they would have like, there was a Valentine's day week where they, uh, you know, to kind of capture, you know, some people love Valentine's Day, some people think it's disgusting. On uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day, it was pure white world tendency for everyone playing. Um, and then on every day of the week other than Valentine's Day, it was pure black world tendency <laughs> for the people who were bitter who didn't have dates. Um, <laughs> other people who are playing influence this as well. So there's like a median world tendency your world will get stuck at mm-hmm. or get uh, set to. I don't know all the mechanics of this, but like other people who are playing Demon Souls, how well they're doing, how evil they are, that affects your world. Right. Which like just really high on the list of badass ideas that, mm-hmm. you know, don't reach their full potential. Right. Like that's really cool. There are other aspects of the multiplayer that work a lot better than that. Um, yes. Summoning yeah. is essentially the same. Like that's not really on the list of differences. Right. And that, you know, that works just as well and is still need summoning and invading. Um, the other thing too, so special events will happen. Mm-hmm. To in a uh, in and sometimes like a door will open, sometimes a monster will disappear, sometimes a monster will appear. Yeah. Sometimes there's a black phantom, which think NPC invaders. Yep. Um, from Dark Souls, and like I said, we'll talk about those when they come up. Um, I don't have experience with all of them. Yeah. There's a special kind of demon that pops up in certain maps too. Um, if you're yeah. pure black, uh, which looks really creepy. It's like yeah, a big, big slug monster. Yeah, big tick kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, looking at this here though, uh, it's your turn. Oh, okay. Um, so upgrade, the upgrade system is much more varied, but much more challenging and kind of inscrutable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, instead of having, uh, you know, a few sets of upgrade paths, there are, I think there are 15. Yeah. Something like that. And they each require a different stone. They require greater quantities of them. The stones are harder to get. There are fewer of them you can buy from uh, merchants. Yeah. And uh, the way you get them is through crystal lizards, the same way that it was one path of getting upgrade materials in Dark Souls. But now they are done only done, essentially. There are many stones that are only available through uh, through crystal lizards. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess primarily. I think you can get most of them as rare drops. Yeah. From uh, from things. Yeah. I never I never really hunted for crystal lizards. Um, I just killed them when they were there and I got access to most of the uh, most of the paths that I wanted. 
it depends on what path you want. Like yeah. I find the least, or, or I hit my mic. Um, I find the uh, path of least resistance is to upgrade along the path that you have the materials for. Yeah. So kind of put the cart before the horse. Um, the uh, and the way crystal lizards work is really weird too. So they have like a crystal lizard will appear once, and you have one chance to kill it. If you kill it, that counter goes down. It's dead. If you miss it, that counter goes down. But every time you kill a demon in that entire world, the counter goes up mm -hmm. and the crystal lizard will appear again. So it seems very limited. However, in any given world, you do have, you know, you're killing three demons and the crystal lizard there is there once. You have four chances to kill the lizard. Right. And so it's not actually that limited. It just seems like amazingly limited when you first learn about it. Yeah. And they're hard to kill. Like they're trickier <laughs> to kill than the... The ones in Dark Souls, they run away quicker. They teleport away faster. Yeah, the uh, so, so yeah, this is in comparison to the geckos in uh, in uh, yeah. Dark Souls, which so, yeah. served a similar purpose. Yeah, yeah, and they're similar. And the the model for the crystal lizard actually appears in Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. It's a, like as a cut content, and it has all the AI and stuff, and we'll move around. Um, also, when you're upgrading things, you can't upgrade armor. Right. So uh, armor is a lot less uh, important in this game. There are fewer sets of it. Um, it doesn't seem feel like it makes quite as big a difference, you know, as it does in uh, Dark Souls. Yeah, it's mostly aesthetic, and then for your role. Yeah, yeah, like just you know, pick the role you're comfortable with, which is fast roll, <laughs> and then wear the heaviest armor you can for that. Yeah, you know that the, you think looks okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no poise. Yeah, there is no poise as well. Yeah. Uh, good, good, uh, good point. I missed that in this. Yeah. Um, there's no poise. There is a like a deflection stat that is on shields. Mm -hmm which I think is new, um, which is how someone can attack your shield, and if the, you have a high enough deflection stat, it will stagger them for a moment. Um, but that's the closest thing it had. That's what it kind of swapped out right. from uh, from Dark, Demon Souls to Dark Souls. Which, so there's no poise. There's no reason you know to really stack up on armor and move slowly, except that you'll be able to tank a little bit more. Yeah, which it, it's good that they did that because like keeping your soul like defensive stat or one of your important defensive stats only on the shield discourages shieldless play. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, looking at this here, moving on, um, speaking of shieldless play, if you do that, you're probably going to have to heal yourself a lot, which is good in this game because restorative items are, in fact, unlimited. Uh, so compared to in Dark Souls, where you had an item called the Estus Flask, which had a certain number of charges uh, kind of per life, you know, per uh, resting at a bonfire, um, you actually have uh, different kinds of grasses and uh, spices. Um, we'll get to that in the next one here. So like you can actually get through anything by just kind of like hoarding healing and magic items. Um, so you're more likely to get healed by actually being stun locked or one shotted, uh, or by just not having enough time to heal, um, as opposed to kind of like, did I optimize my path uh, in order to kind of conserve these things, um, that are, you know, that, that are going to, you know, replenish, but will be, you know, will run out and be fine, uh, you know, finite, or that um, you need for the boss. Yeah. I you know, so true. like yeah. on my first run through Dark Souls, it was a lot of going through the areas over and over was a lot about find, getting good at it. So I would have enough Estus to heal through the boss. Yeah. Um, it really changes the way you play because now when you're making those runs, you're avoiding stress points. Like you're, you're recognizing points that you're likely to die kind of regardless of how many healing items you have because you have unlimited healing items. But this is a drop or this is an enemy that can one shot me or an enemy that can stunlock me or a big group or something like that. And you're learning to avoid those or how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also a little bit of an attrition factor where these grasses, you know, as much as you start the game, you know, pretty rich in them in the low level ones, the high level ones are expensive and, uh, you know, you unless you want a farm, you just can't. You can't literally afford unlimited. It's an option, but you uh, 
yeah. you know, you, you are making kind of a trade-off right. to get that resource. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of tying into that magic is now limited by MP rather than a limited number of casts. Um, so, you know, being able to restore your magic means that if you're just firing magic missiles, you can fire as many as you can afford. Um, some of the balancing they'll do, some spells have really, really high cost. So you're kind of limited in how many spells you can cast. But again, that's just between refilling your, your magic points. Yeah. Um, magic restorative items are more expensive than health restorative items. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a little bit greater of a risk reward. But when you are casting a real kind of boss destroying spell, you know, you can, uh, you can just bring some, some grass. And if you're, it makes the game about finding the time to use it as opposed to, uh, you know, just having a limited number in the first place. Right. So that kind of has this effect of making magic builds incredibly powerful in Demon Souls. Yeah. Um, they were already pretty powerful. Not already. They are pretty powerful in Dark Souls. It's actually much more so the case here, especially if your role is a particular class at the beginning, which has a ring which recharges your, your mana. Yeah, which you can get with another class fairly easily, too. So if you're a magician, you can get items that do that. Um, and there are a lot more items that kind of, you know, not a lot more, but there are plenty of items that kind of have meta magic yeah. feats and change the way you, you cast spells. So playing a sorcerer in, in Demon's Souls is really fun, mm-hmm. um, but you are really OP. Right. Um, Did you just call something OP? Uh, um, OPB, <laughs> Oregon Public Broadcasting. That's okay, right. I just, want, I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Listen, Final Destination. No items. <laughs> Everyone knows Meta Knight is OP. <laughs> it's so fun to play. His sword slashes yeah. are so fast. Yeah. I just want to play on New Pork City, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so big. It's such a big level. It has a funny yeah. background. And the, the music and the Zelda 2 level. Yeah. Come on. So all of that kind of links into uh, what, you know, what is actually one of the bigger differences is that, uh, you know, you have item weight limits in addition to equip burden. So you have two numbers that you're trying to manage, not just what am I wearing and how does it affect my role, but can, am I, you know, can I actually become um, encumbered? Right. Mm-hmm. So this is to counteract, you know, the, um, un, you know, the tem- potentially unlimited healing and MP reducing, you know, uh, restoring abilities. Uh, so you kind of have to choose between having a, uh, a large apothecary uh, neath your frock um, and, you know, carrying treasure and equipment back that you want to carry. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Or that you'd otherwise miss. Right. Um, yeah. So the uh, yeah. And that, that's pretty much pretty much all there is to that. And it does come up. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah. The uh so there are more varied uses for boss souls. Right. So in uh in Dark Souls you can oftentimes turn a boss soul into a weapon. Here almost every boss soul can turn into a weapon or uh one of three spells. Right. Um, depending on which, which is, w- depending on which NPC you give them to. Yeah. Which is badass. Yes. And we'll we'll talk about that as it comes up, but it's one of my favorite things about this game and something I want back so bad in Dark Souls. Um, it makes, you know, every, and they're also a huge, like, just source of your souls. The, uh, the boss souls feel like they're worth more mm-hmm. than, uh, than the, uh, ones in Dark Souls. So, you know, it's a huge resource, either in stat gain or very powerful ability most of the time. And it's just, it's a more interesting choice than you're often <laughs> making. It's like, of course I'm going to eat the soul of Artorias. What else the fuck am I going to do with it? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> See, that, that's if you can psychologically handle, uh, using that soul for something that is, that, that might be suboptimal. Like, mm. like for for some reason, gaining like two extra levels seems less potent to me than getting a new shield that I can't use. 
but then, <laughs> but, but that speaks more to my <laughs> yeah that i used to have that way of the first my first couple playthroughs of dark souls but that died to me now and anything mm. i'm not going to use i don't give a fuck about yeah, yeah like i just i know the game well enough to know what i'm going to to yeah. end up using during it mm-hmm. um so kind of a broader thing the atmosphere is actually different we're you know like the lore we're going to be talking about this uh you know a lot over the course of the entire season um i would say that this is a darker um Mm-hmm. You know, set of uh, you know, <laughs> set of atmosphere. Uh, you know, definitely in terms of color palette, uh, it's slightly more limited. Uh, you know, it's a bit more oppressive. The areas are really claustrophobic in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I would I would agree with all of that. Yeah. Um, definitely feels a little bit different that way. A lot of times too, they're a little bit more consistent uh, in larger swaths of the game. So right. you go through you know all of World Two, and it has the same kind of color palette, which ends up being you know a fifth of the game. Mm-hmm more or less has that color palette. So you get kind of, there's a little bit more consistency in that as since the areas are actually bigger. Yeah. Um, You're not going together. from the gray and gold of Duke's archives to the, to the like bright blue and white of the crystal caves. Right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then again, one of the, one of the biggest differences is uh, as opposed to being hollow and human, um, you have a soul form and being human. Right. So, uh, the most immediate difference to this is that in soul form, you have half your HP that you do in human form. Anytime you die, you come back as a, as a soul. Um, to get that back, you have to use a, a stone of a, uh, ephemeral eye. Yes. Yeah, which is a pretty rare item. Mm-hmm. Um, it's farmable, but it's a huge pain in the ass. And, uh, or beat a boss. Right. And you become human. Um, there, that ties into tendencies. You know, if you're human in a world and you die, it's going to bring that tendency down. Mm-hmm. It's going to make the game harder um, from there on in. Uh, so it, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. You're much yeah. better off just considering that your HP while in uh, soul form is just your standard HP. And yep. when you're in human, it's just double. Like yeah, the, the, think of it as a buff. The fact that they just show you half of the health bar down, I think unfairly. <laughs> yeah, psychologically casts. disadvantages you. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, bothered me so much the first time that I played it. it. It it's bothered people a lot. Like I after I played this, I went and watched like the zero punctuation review on it. Mm-hmm. Um because I you know sometimes pretty into that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh he couldn't get past that. Like he just, right. you know, thought and I was kind of surprised because it, you know, it's a wonderful game. Um <laughs> And he just couldn't get, you know, get over the fact that he felt so crippled by it. But right. it's not, not really the case. It also, so it ties into some other things too. Something I forgot about in this that's another, one of my favorite things about Demon Souls that it has over Dark Souls is that when you're in soul form, um, you're quieter. Right. And that kind of with the availability of stealth items and spells mm-hmm. means that stealth is a more viable mechanic. So viable. In, in Demon Souls. Yeah. Like the, uh, like the equivalent of the Ring of Fog or the, uh, Slumbering Dragon Crest Ring. In Dark Souls, getting that in Demon Souls makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah. And you can, there are huge areas of the game that if you want to play through, you can, uh, you know, just avoid enemies on the way to the boss, which lends itself to the fact that regular enemies don't give you, you know, quite as many souls. Mm-hmm. Um, the levels are so long. Like it all ties together. Like it is all, all of these differences create a very similar but unified separate work. Like all these things kind of support each other. Right. Um, and that, which is really impressive. Like, you know, it's just a really, really well designed design game yeah and you know there's a bunch of that stuff that we just kind of alluded to we're going to talk about throughout the uh, throughout this uh, course of the game i'm i'm mm-hmm. really excited to you know to get to get to those so why don't yeah. we uh, why don't we jump right in let's do it let's uh start out with the intro here
So, yeah, uh, you start out, uh, well, before you do, like, the, you know, game proper, there's kind of, uh, like, a, you know, intro cinematic, which is pretty neat. Uh, it explains a little bit of the mythology that we outlined at the beginning, uh, showing somebody in fluted armor uh, fighting off a bunch of demons, and then eventually but, something looks like the dragon god. Yeah, yeah. well, more, more than it uh, showing off the mythology, I think that there's a kind of a key difference where the Dark Souls one is kind of a libretto for the journey you're going to go on. Like, he, uh, there are the people you're going to fuck up oh, and who fucked up. Yeah, no, we're referring to two different things. I'm talking about, like, the, uh, I'm talking about the, the like, the, what, what do you call it? When it sits on the title screen and then goes to the No, teaser? the attract mode. We, yeah, we are talking about mode. the same. Well, oh. we're, so we're talking about the same thing. I'm just contrasting it with the, uh, the Dark Souls uh, which I guess isn't the attract mode. So yeah, that, that's, that's not. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Uh, like you're referring to the slideshow, which actually does do the roll call. That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, no, you're, you're right, you're right. So there is the equivalent. But one of the things, so I guess this is just something that Dark Souls doesn't do, is it gives you uh, like a gameplay libretto. Right. Like this little attract mode thing is showing you what fights are like. Mm-hmm. Like how dangerous it is to get surrounded, how you can summon help when you're in trouble. Like, uh, you know, the kind of scale of the bosses you're going to fight. Like, it's a really cool, like, it's a real pure use of attract mode because it looks mm-hmm. badass. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get out of that and you start your character creation. Um, kind of another, like, note, worthwhile note in this is that uh, you get a little bit less information about uh, about the choices that you're making in character creation mode. They've mm-hmm. got the usual, like, how, how hideous of a person can you auto-generate kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you choose from a class, but it doesn't tell you much aside from giving you their character sheet. Like, it doesn't show you what their unique gifts are, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. You don't get to see their equipment. Right. Um, yeah, and, it's, uh, and there are more classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of, like, really interesting ones. Um, a couple, like, hybrid classes built in. Right. So opposed to being a sorcerer, there's a thing called the royal, which is kind of a sorcerer fencer kind of character there's a temple knight which is kind of a warrior cleric mm-hmm. hybrid like a paladin um, yeah well there, is there one called a paladin there's a soldier and a knight yeah i don't think that there is one called a paladin yeah or he he is a paladin though is that if that's what you mean yes yeah yeah the temple knight is kind of, sorry didn't mean to step on you there um temple knight is you know more or less a paladin mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah so and they all start at different soul levels similar to uh yeah you know dark souls so you're kind of making a choice of how many of your upgrade choices have been made for you right when you start yeah and just like in dark souls your class doesn't really matter aside from your starting equipment and mm-hmm. again what gary just said you know yeah uh, what kind of upgrade uh choices so gary what what character did you roll the, at the beginning and then what character are you rolling for the playthrough for the show um so this will be uh my first character was a royal okay. um which i was attracted to no one told me that is the easy mode Right. Kind of choice, which we'll talk about. No one told me that. I just wanted something that was soul level one. Oh, yeah. So I could make all my choices. Um, and then I did a couple playthroughs. I did a strength and a dex build. Um, for this build I'm doing for the show, I'm actually doing a blue blood, a blue blood sword build. Okay. Which is, uh, there's a really rare weapon called the blue blood sword. It's really great, but it requires this insane stat spread. Um, it's like 18 in all the primary stats. Oh, wow. And then it scales with luck, <laughs> which is really weird. But uh, and it's kind of a PvP build, but I want to get some PvP experience in this. I've never done it, right? Um, so I'm putting together a PvP build for this playthrough. Hmm. So started as a royal. This character started as I think a uh, a soldier, or no, he started as a knight. The okay. one I'm turning into a a blue blood. Yeah, and that probably got you close to, uh, to having a yeah, pretty st- even strength and dex at least. And yeah. then his 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 uh, magic and faith are not too shabby either. Right. So. Yeah. So I did a royal the first time too. Again, not because I knew it was um, 
you know, um, easy, but because I liked the idea of doing a caster that also had a little bit of uh, melee to it. Mm-hmm. That's how I played my first character in Dark Souls. Um, and then for this one, I'm I'm rolling a cleric, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, my, my strength character had some kind of clericism. Yeah, to him. So I'm just I'm just curious about like what happens if you if you pursue that. Never, you know, some of those uh, spells look interesting to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, and they are. Um, so after you uh, create your character, you do the intro roll call that Cole was talking about. Yeah, and uh, similar to Dark Souls, and I sorry to step on you because you're right. It is very similar to yeah. that. It's showing you um, kind of the cast of what we're going to meet. It reiterates the story. Yeah. Um, so they're not shedding light on some kind of pantheon that you're eventually going to slay. Like when you first watch it, it kind of comes across as a list of names that you don't know why you're supposed to care about them. Watching it the second time, it's kind of like, oh, I know who that person is. But it's just kind of like you're just listing these heroes. Well, it's, it's the people who came before you. It's like right. this this event has drawn these great heroes. Right. Here are some great heroes you know, come through like, but they're the equivalent, instead of being the equivalent of like Gwyn and Seath, they're the equivalent of like Big Hat Logan. Yeah, yeah. You know, to put it in Dark Souls terms. Mm -hmm. But none have returned. Bure of the Twin Fangs. Yurt the Silent Chief. Sage Urbane. Skurver the Wanderer. The Sixth Saint Astraea and her knight Garl Vinland. And Sage Frake the Visionary. The colorless deep fog slowly creeps beyond Boletaria's borders. Humankind faces a slow and steady extinction. The deep fog will eventually swallow all lands near and far. But Boletaria has one final hope. A lone warrior who has braved the baneful fog. Has the land found its savior or have the demons found a new slave? Uh, but yeah, um, you go through that. It does give just kind of like a little bit of context. This is where it tells you about uh, King Allant, uh, who you really just kind of hear about in hushed tones up until the end. Um, yeah. And essentially what we already said, like he has, you know, unleashed uh, demons mm-hmm. upon the land. Yep. And, and they, they're making everybody crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Demon butts drive me nuts. You're making um, me crazy. Me- <laughs> um, and at the end of this, uh, you know, before you, before your character, who I, I like the fact that it, he is kind of like an ambitious adventurer. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives a little bit of like drive and motivation for him or her to be there. Um, as opposed to just kind of being uh, some kind of prisoner messiah who is just doing this because why not? Like in an Elder Scrolls game. Or like Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's 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 what I that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, just you know, in, in in comparison there. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, so, so in between that and actually being able to play the game, you hear from the maiden in black, who kind of ends up being, uh, you know, your primary, uh, you know, NPC, um, like quest giver kind of person. Also, the she's person real who, interesting. Yes, yeah, and we'll 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 talk about her, uh, you know, at length, uh, especially in the end game. Yep, um, is when kind of all the 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 you know. Birds come home to roost mm-hmm. regarding the meaning in black. Yeah, but she pretty much lays it out. She says, like, you know, you are here to put the old one to rest. Or at least mm-hmm. that's that like that, that is what she is tasking you with. Right. Yep. 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 Um, really striking design mm-hmm. on the maiden in black. Like her eyes are kind of cocked over. Yeah. 
with wax. They're occluded with wax. Yes. I see, which is like a, a from software trope <laughs> at this point with uh, Hawkeye Go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, like she looks really neat. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big fan of the being in black. I like her voice. I like her I do voice too. Actor. I was just about yeah. to say that. Yeah. yeah kind of like Russian. It's a, it's Icelandic actually. Her, oh, okay. her, her, her voice actress. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like, uh, like Fran and Final Fantasy 12. Yep. Very yep. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, real cool. We'll get to her. Like when we actually get to the Nexus, she kind of dicks you over. (laughs) 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 But yeah, yeah, you start out like actually playing, um, in the tutorial kind of on what I am calling the outskirts because it's never actually named. It's like the outside of Bulletaria as you are venturing into the colorless fog. Even when you uh, can get to kind of high ground and look around, <laughs> it's like see, it's not really clear where it is. Like there's yeah. kind of really cool yes album covers yes in the background of some things, <laughs> but there is a there's no real indicator to locate this area in space. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like playing through it now, it kind of like reminds me a little bit of the of uh, the Shrine of Storms, mm. but, but like even that like has a more striking. Um, kind of visual aesthetic than this. Yeah, and part of that's just kind of a color palette, like a washed-out color palette, which a lot of the, the Shrine of Storms has. Mm-hmm. And this area has that as well. Yeah. Um, the game is teaching you how to do everything via the you know, on-ground developer messages. Uh, that has stayed. Mm-hmm. The uh, the way you know, orange soapstones, essentially, it's not an item right. now. It's just you hit select. Um, the messages are different, and it's a much more robust messaging system, yeah. um, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, and we'll talk about it um, next episode, but, like, when somebody says beginners should try this area later, like, uprate them and, and follow their fucking advice. <laughs> like, that, that, having that, imagine having that in, in a Dark Souls, you know, yeah, like, that's yeah. so direct and so, so helpful. Right outside the catacombs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Beginners <laughs> should try this area later. Like, <laughs> Thank you, mysterious internet person. Yeah, and sure. it'll have like it'll have like 4,000 ratings because connectivity works in Demon Souls. <laughs> yeah, so. because it's one system. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the it, it introduces you to the combat by you know kind of pitting you against an escalating um, or a series of enemies that kind of escalate in complexity, uh, starting with the dreglings who are kind of the people who are most far gone, kind of zombie like uh, that just you know slash at you furiously with their daggers and torches. I guess mm-hmm. there are no torch ones. Um, you know, um, on the outskirts. Um, and then you fight your way through a lot of like brown castles, um, until you, you know, get to like armored enemies with swords. And then finally, uh, the blue eye knights, um, who are yeah. kind of like the black knights, except with a little bit less tough. And then the, uh, the crossbowmen. Each of them are teaching you something to yeah. you. Yeah. So like you start out fighting one dreadling, then you fight two of them. Um, then you fight a, uh, you know, like a knight who's got a shield. Mm-hmm. Then you're fighting a, um, a guy who plays really defensively, like mm-hmm. one of the blue-eyed knights, yeah. which is teaching you to two-hand your weapon to kind of break their guard, um, playing into that kind of uh, that deflection mechanic that we don't totally understand. <laughs> um, but if you hit their shield enough two-handed, you can break through their guard. Right. And the tutorial message just tells you how to do that, but they ramp up really well yeah. um, in, in teaching them. And the area is like pretty interestingly laid out, too. Um, it definitely kind of forms a template for the kind of interior of a castle that you'll be spending all of uh, Boletaria right. in, which is really cool. It, like, like, uh, the thing that I don't like so much about it is that it forces you to use an archstone to just trans like transfer yourself to an arbitrary location point inside. Yeah, yeah. Like, have, like I get that that's teaching you that archstones teleport you, but like mm-hmm. that's like an intrinsic part of the nexus, and like it just kind of seemed like, oh, we kind of designed ourselves into a corner here. Uh, let's put this here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't need to design themselves into a corner. Like yeah. there could easily instead of like that big yes album cover, <laughs> there could have just been the next place you go. Right. I would agree. And I'm a fan of Yes album covers. 
No, of course you are. <laughs> um, like you're not, you're not mad. Usually, um, we talked. I'm sure it's been a show note before that episode of Venture Brothers. Yep. Pertains uh, to <laughs> Dean, where he starts uh, flying through the yes. What, what about this one, Dad? In the court of the yeah. Crimson King, do you want to be an evil scientist? <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, a cool thing. So you get to the end of this uh, uh, level, and you fight. You fight your first boss, and it's the Vanguard Demon. Um, yeah. He is, uh, you know, it's similar, like kind of in design to the, you know, the Dark Souls Asylum Demon. It's clearly supposed to be. It really showcases kind of an aesthetic and difference of the monster designs. Yeah, yeah. Like he's dopier looking a little bit. Yeah, it's like it's it's grotesque in a, in, a, in like the more pure sense of the word. Yeah, like like a like a fatter way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like for lack of a, like like things, some things in this game that are gross, it's because they're like bloated and kind of bumpy. Right. And there, you know, there are fewer things that are kind of detailed and scribbly. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. It's more oddly proportioned stuff mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah. And uh, he's he's really difficult and he's meant to kill you. This yeah. is meant to be a wake up call to teach you, you know, you have no power here. This is this is the uh, the other prisoners like breaking you down the first night mm-hmm. that you're there. Like just, you know, spending spending the whole night catcalling you until you start crying for your mother and morgan freeman loses 10 bucks or however that you know worked out <laughs> because that's he bet what, on the tall drink of water yeah exactly that yeah. that's what the vanguard demon is mm-hmm. um but you can beat him mm-hmm. yep you can beat him and then you walk into an actual unbeatable boss yeah in a real do you understand that no like, not at all because beating him takes you there like you get an item like you get a couple like uh resources mm-hmm. um but it's really weird yeah like, it, like it's kind of like a you know, oh, you're going to beat our unbeatable boss? Well, fuck you. Here's an unbeatable boss. Like, it's a little bit nya nya I, I on like behalf it. of the developers. I like it for that, though, just because they're kind of like, okay, yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's because... also not like a, it's not a totally new area. It's not merely that. It's a preview of something to come. Yeah. Which does, is, uh... does it take you into Stonefang? I, for, I forget. I've never done it myself. I've only seen it in uh in cut in like a YouTube video. And even that, I don't really remember. It just doesn't it just put you in front of the dragon god and kill you? There's there's kind of stuff around there. Oh. So it, it puts you into a little arena. I don't know if it's actually matches up one to one with the Dragon God arena, but there are things you can pick up there. Okay. There's some stuff you can get as kind of a bonus for killing the Vanguard. I've never beat him. Neither have I. Um, I keep trying it and then I just don't want to reset when I fail. The arena is so cramped. Yeah. Yeah. The arena is cramped and you do a lot of like very little damage. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit like fighting the Asylum Demon with a sword hilt. Like, not yeah, quite, but yeah. you, you just do very little damage to him. So, like, I can hold my own for a long time, but then I just, you know, misjudge a roll, and yeah. he one-shots me. Mm-hmm. Which he will do. He hits like a truck. Yep. Yeah, yeah he hits really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you die, you get this little cutscene of your soul kind of, uh, you start hearing a voiceover yeah. in blackness, and it's the, uh, the main in black. And I'll go ahead and cut that in now, because it's great. Yes. And uh, it's her bringing you back to life, and you are in the Nexus. Yes. Um, and she kind of explains to you as you are coming to um, on the awesome, like, clockwork glass floor of the Nexus. Yeah. Um, I love the design of that place. Holy shit. Oh, the Nexus is wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you like, know, just... the ne- like, I like Firelink. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it's no Nexus. It's like... no... So no. good. Um, but uh, she's kind of explaining to you, like, hey, uh, you are dead. And not only do you not just get to die, uh, your soul is trapped here until you can finish my mission. Soul of the mind, key to life's ether. Soul of the lost, withdrawn from its vessel. Let strength be granted so the world might be mended. 
so the world might be mended. Yeah, she, she's binding you. Yes. Like your soul was falling to, you know, to oblivion or what have you, and she's mm-hmm. just sucking up people. Right. And doing it with multiple people, and it kind of is that diegetic expl- you know, explanation for why there is, you know, why there are other people playing the game. Right, right. You know, so it, it's similar to Dark Souls. Everybody else who's playing Demon Souls exists in your world. Mm-hmm. And those are just other people who are anonymous heroes who tried to make it into Bulletaria, and she snared their souls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. pretty neat. It's a little bit more satisfying than, you know, time is convoluted in Lordran. Totally. They never play like a time is timey-wimey nonsense, like at all. Right. You know, like it is just a... It's just her, you know, capturing people until they can kind of do this mission for her. Right. So there's one thing that kind of like throws me off about the Nexus. Like this seems like the center of the universe to me, but they only ever like claim it as the center of Bulataria. <laughs> I think it's a like it's just think of it as like a supernatural prison. Oh, yeah. You know, as opposed to a, you know, just think of all of the glyphs and, and kind of huge statue and everything like that as, as elements of a prison. Yeah, yeah. But it was also used as like the, like the, the reason it's called the Nexus, I believe, is because the art stones were put up to like facilitate travel across the land. To... The art stones are, I think that's one thing they can do, but they're also there to bind the, the great old one. So the reason I think that they are, um, you know, that the Nexus was like just kind of like the thoroughfare was that because this is where the primary, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, art stones lead. They go to these different disparate uh, places that could be entirely different kingdoms, but are still somehow part of Boletaria. Um, maybe as like a Roman Empire kind of thing. Um, but uh, so there's one art stone that is broken, uh, like conspicuously. It's the top of the stairs um, that leads to the land of the giants. Um, and I think that the like that there's something that states that it was destroyed because people thought that if they destroyed it, um, that would stop the spread of the fog to their land. But uh, I think it said somewhere that it's wrong, that that's wrong. Yeah, I don't I don't totally know what what's going on with that sixth heartstone. But like yeah. the idea of the Nexus as being a, like literally a teleportation hub mm-hmm. for people is unsatisfying to me because it doesn't make any sense for people to use it. Like you never see, you know, everyone who's there now who is trapped. Mm-hmm. Like imagine this world not wrecked, and people heading on down to the Nexus to go visit the Tower of Latria. Mm-hmm. Feels really weird to me. Right. You know, like that seems a little too magicy and doesn't seem like it. Seems at cross purposes with the design of the the location. Hmm. Um, well, it you could know, be for that, like priests and dignitaries and such. Yeah, maybe, but then they <laughs> also put their sleeping god there, like or the, you know they they put the old one. Yeah. In, yeah, I don't know. Like I the uh the idea of stopping it to stop the spread makes sense to me and the ideas are not mutually you know exclusive. Like that idea can be true and still have it not just be about teleporting. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. I I swear I've read something that says that they're part of the the binding. Yeah. So like know? so so if if teleporting center of Bulletaria, if you know, resting place for the for the old one, center of the universe. Like the 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 way the way the way that, the way that I see it, yeah. I, I you'll have to parse that sentence. No, no. So, so so okay. So so if if it's if it's just for teleportation and uh, like it only leads to you know all that we see are places in Bulletaria as as it's as it's kind of stated, um, then it's the center of Bulletaria, and it just happens to be the resting place for uh, an Eldric being that will destroy the world. However, if its primary purpose is to house the. Uh, um, the Eldritch being that will destroy the world. That is actually a, a case for this being like the center of the world. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't know if that second bit follows. Yeah. Like I, you know, at least I mean, personally, like I'm not totally sure that. Yeah. 
I right. think that they because the people who bound him could be there. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to go like let's say you know me and you Cole we're we're going to bind some ancient demon right mm-hmm. like we're not going to go to the center of the equator to do it mm-hmm. we're going to meet like what's halfway between Ohio and Portland probably somewhere like in like Boise like Colorado <laughs> or something a... like that we're going to go to like Colorado yeah and do it mm-hmm. you know like it's not necessarily like we don't have to go to the center of the world like, I understand why that could be mm-hmm. like a magic y detail to it but it doesn't yeah. logically it doesn't feel logically necessary to me yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a hotbed of you know poorly thought out illogical ideas. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's, that's necessarily enough. illogical. It's just it's it's fine as a a classic bonfire side chat conjecture. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, it's it's inarguable. Yeah. So, so I, I guess, I, I guess like my... the, the 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 root of what's bothering me about this is Boletaria is presented as both the world and a kingdom, and the, like the nexus feels of like importance to both. But if that's the case, so yeah. my my thought is that. So you're not wrong about that, but I also there there are suggestions that Boletaria exists simply as a kingdom in relation to these things. So they talk about each of these, uh, you know, each of these lands having a king or a lord. We get explicit, you know, mention of like there 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 was a there's a queen in Latria. You know, there is a and and royal members from uh, uh, Boletaria visit there. You know, like there are some suggestions of them being separate, distinct, mm, okay, kind of principalities. Yeah. So, the, so, so, yeah. That, but them saying like this holds all of Boletaria together. I think it's like a, like a translation kind of, kind of, kind of like script issue. I would chalk it up to that, just that like in, be, term, in terms of like consistency. And part of it too is I, I feel like it's the something that lends credence to what you're saying is just the fact that there isn't a name for just the world, right? You know, it's the lands of Boletaria. Maybe the palace, maybe the actual kingdom is different. Like you are at the, you know, one one and, and through one four is Boletarian palace. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it is a, uh, you know, and you are in the northern lands of Boletaria where right. this stuff is kind of going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that it has to be a distinct kingdom. It could mm-hmm. be within a kingdom, you know, inside that land. It could also be, you know, if you think about the colorless fog extending much further than it does like the idea of you teleporting to totally different kingdoms because they do have really distinct geography yeah really distinct you know all those things that lend themselves to them being very distant Mm -hmm. um it's kind of a creepier idea like this this infection has spread right you know that far so i mean like the tower of latria couldn't look any different Mm -hmm. than boletaria that we know right you know maybe it's boletaria boletaria like it's a (laughs) you know st louis st louis st louis city st louis or (laughs) empire york York. yeah 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 empire earth is that a thing (laughs) Empire Earth. Yeah. I, it's I, I keep thinking I, there's Battlefield Earth. Yeah, and there's Empire something. But there's this Island Earth. Island mm. Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like New York, New York. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we get a good piece of Baltarian pizza pie. <laughs> the demon-infested land, so nice they named it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I love Baltaria. I would wear a shirt that was just a white T-shirt with an I heart Baltaria. <laughs> hey, I love Baltaria. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> just selling them for five dollars outside of ground zero and by all, ground all the zero. cabbies are, are out of work because of archstones so they're all just sitting around selling those shirts <laughs> oh man gross <laughs> so uh, we should probably talk a little bit about the NPCs that are here because the Nexus, um, in addition to being, the, in addition to being the center of the universe, Earth or Boletaria, is also kind of where your NPCs just end up. 
Yep. And where they, they start and end up. So we're going to talk about NPCs as they appear. Yeah. In the game, we're going to talk about the ones that kind of start out here. But uh, some of the NPCs that end up here are tied to major quest lines. Actually, I think they all are. I think there's kind of one for most of the main zones in the game. Right. Who ends up here. Um, yeah. So we'll just start talking about the people. And the first person you're likely to run into after the main uh, kind of rejuvenates you is the uh, Crestfallen Warrior. Right. One of the biggest, like, kind of quotes that Dark Souls does of this, like, same pose, you know, similar attitude. Like, this is the same character from Firelink. The same uh, voice actor. Yep. yep. Very, very similar. Mm-hmm. So um, this is something that I wish that I knew more about. Um, he goes away eventually, but I'm not sure why. I He goes he goes the equivalent of Hollow. Oh, really? Like, uh, yep. As you um, – so, I mean, that's how I always took it, mm. is that he uh, – you know, as you, if you keep talking to him and you keep succeeding, he takes like the fact that he is not doing anything and is just bored and separated away from his body makes him go crazy. Mm, okay. Have you uh, have you listened to that dialogue? No, no, I have not. But the uh, essentially like he's asking if you saw if you've seen his corpse, like is oh. my body rotting? Is my body doing OK? Oh, shit. And then the, and then you go somewhere and when you come back, he leaves behind a soul huh. like he, he dies. So the uh, something about there is like kind of like a going hollow. Mm-hmm. mechanic not necessarily a mechanic that's a too strong a word but like a you know a, a facet yeah of this yeah. world like a like a narrative device he also so he's really interesting too because he says some things before he gets to that point he says some things like warning you about other characters mm-hmm. like he is not a true believer in your mission by any means um and his kind of theme they lays out is that like you know by doing this you're going to be corrupted mm-hmm like, if you talk to him after you start kind of doing your mission, like, oh, you have that. Be careful. You're going to end up just like them. Mm-hmm. And that's a major theme in the game. Yeah, he's um, he's really skeptical of kind of the, the, the notion of going out. You know, he basically sets up the, you know, the, the, the kind of moral choice, I guess, to this, or at least the implied narrative one, which is people are either here to try and sort this whole mess out or get souls for themselves. Right, right. And, he's, and he he has a lot of interesting things saying about uh, to say about uh, Sage Freak. Yeah. Who's one of the most interesting NPCs yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about him in about a month and a half. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're playing the long con here, yeah. yeah. But uh, but yeah, he's he's real depressing. Uh, in stark contrast to Stockpile Thomas, who is a solid bro. He's like, he's like he's an idiot. Yeah. Is what he is. He's like a naive, like he's he's a good guy. He's dependable. He, he's too he's, <laughs> he's he's too he's too dumb to be sad. Yeah. Like he you know, he does not understand See, I didn't, in, in I didn't, circumstance. I didn't get that from him. He expresses regret over what he did. Like the, 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 the fog came down and he freaked out and he basically abandoned his wife and daughter. And, but, you know, like looking at the maiden in black, he pities her because she would be uh, by appearances, roughly the same age as his daughter. That that's part of why. Well, so the reasons why I think he is dumb is one, because of that line where he says, like, look at her, she's about the same age as my daughter would be, mm-hmm. which like not, you know, that's naive at best right like well, this is this is a, a like this thing's older than time yeah well by by appearances she looks like you know like a, like a late 20s girl you he know he never girl qualifies woman. it by like he she looks as yeah. though like he's i think he's saying like she is like yeah. I, and then the other thing too is that he looks on he has no skepticism about her like right. she's a kind soul like she mm-hmm. you know he sees none of the potential darkness in what you're doing mm-hmm and that that is you know naive, which I guess I'm using as synonymous with dumb. Yeah. Um, maybe they're not strictly the same thing. Yeah. 
but he's painfully naive in, in either case. But he's like in stark contrast to, you know, to not Ed, Bold, Bold, Baldwin, uh, you know, like like he he recognizes that he is of no use in a fight. Like he can't be a hero who goes out and, you know, takes, you know, takes down demons and contributes to the war effort. Right. So he sticks around and watches people's stuff. Um, you know, just in order to help out in that way. So he believes that he's contributing to, you know, helping get the art, you know, the whole demon problem sorted out just in a way that he deems realistic. Yeah, I, I just I thought of him as less being less practical and a little bit more pathetic than that. Oh, he's like, definitely, I like, he's pathetic. I liked him, but I didn't think of him as like. Yeah, like I, I like him as a character. Like he yeah. seems like a good guy. He's pathetic like, in not... that he elicits pathos. I mean, especially since like he gives you one of the best rings in the game for you know bringing back you know like a memento from his daughter, right? Yeah, he has a really sad, super sad backstory. Yeah, about that. I just kind of think, like I said, I just think of him as just being very naive. Yeah, like kind of not getting the subtext about what's going on, you know, in the way most of the other NPCs are not. It's kind of I just thought of this, but like almost like that side of the map. Mm-hmm. Where he's at are the people who I think ultimately, and we'll get to this when we talk about the end game and kind of theory mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. who don't get it. Oh, And then the other yeah. side of the map is the people who do get it. The right side and the left side. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, and it's also sad. Like, it's kind of interesting that, like, he flipped out. And then the idea of him just kind of being used by the Maiden in Black for essentially just to watch things. Mm-hmm. Like, she, you know, has, had to capture someone's soul to do this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and just kind of being used for all time is, is pretty interesting. But part of, I think what, you know, he's also nice to you, yeah. which have is really rare in this game. Not quite as rare as it is in Dark Souls, mm-hmm. but uh nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pro tip here, uh, you can actually like leave your shards with him. They, they add up in terms of weight. I wish that I knew this before the point that I did. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, you don't have to Choo-choo. have, you, I... yeah. <laughs> is that the point? Because that's that's why I would think would be the point. Um, Maybe I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose I eventually looked it up, but even then, I, I really wish I knew earlier. Yeah. So that's why I'm telling you now at the beginning. If you're playing this now, just leave your shards with him. Whenever you whenever you stop back, it takes like a second, and it means that you don't have to like jettison things in order to make your way back with, well, uh, and, with all the loot you find. Yeah, and don't don't think that you have to go back and retrieve your your shards. Yeah, that, really that, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very user-friendly touch. I'm kind of surprised by it. Yeah, you just basically that's what I'm saying. If it's not coming through, you do not need to have your shards in your inventory in order to forge with them. Yep. Yeah. Um, speaking of forging, uh, Baldwin, which we talked about a little bit, there's mm-hmm. very little to this character. Yeah. Um, like he's he's a real ordinary jerk. Um, he takes souls as payment to forge weapons and sell like very limited mm-hmm. um, inventory. And kind of the most important function he has is to teach you about uh ed yeah who's a much more <laughs> like a much more competent blacksmith <laughs> much more competent blacksmith a mildly more interesting character yeah like there's a little bit to ed's backstory that you learn mostly from Baldwin. Mm-hmm. um essentially that he's just a lot stronger and and tougher yeah and kind of hold his own in a fight are they related um, they show them in that loading screen. Yeah, they look like yeah, they, they look the same. The, the loading screen where proportions mean nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> like, there's that one with uh, uh, Strava where it's like he's super tiny in the face. It's like, who is he fighting? Where's the camera? What's going on? And then there's the one that makes Mephistopheles look like an old man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah, those loading screens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not too much to build when he's going to function as your shop. Yeah. Um, at least initially, like your home shop. Right. But uh, the game is very generous with merchants, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the system that he has set up. He charges souls in order to make weapons better so people can go out and get more souls. Yeah. Like, like he says, bring me all the souls you can. 
So yeah, yeah. And he's he's giving you good advice. He's just being a dickhead about it. Like you're not going to do well if you don't take advantage of me. Right. You know, but he can care less because there's a thousand other players doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So kind of within the story. Um, you also run into uh, so you hear about Saint Urbane in the intro, right. and uh, he has a kind of a female guard yeah. who is sad. And, <laughs> and that's uh, her sole purpose. Yep. Um, she, I mean, she has, there's another character. I get them confused. He has two or three kind of members of his entourage. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is much more interesting than the others. I don't mm-hmm. think it's this one though. I think it's this one not, appears in the next, next kind of round of characters. Yeah. Um, well, and she says, uh, Umbasa. She does, which ends up being kind of like a through line as like the Amen. mantra. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or namaste. Ah, Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, so both Frake and Urbane have like apprentices who mm-hmm. like act as your first level spell vendors. You find them much earlier than you find Frake and Urbane. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, and, uh, Urbane actually has like a, you know, several hangers on whereas Frake's kind of a loner. Yep. Um, and that's really all there is to the Nexus at this point right now yeah so when you're dropped here you really don't have any way to do anything there's only one arc stone that works uh, and that takes you to one one which we're going to talk about next time along with one two um the maiden in black isn't here um and you would not you wouldn't really have any reason to go up there um and you know unless you were just kind of exploring but there's a whole kind of uh uh addict to this place that ends up being a story relevant for about five minutes or you know or 35 (laughs) depending on how long it takes you to get up there yeah Um, (laughs) And you'll, you and if you're kind of gaming it that you're going to use to kill yourself over yeah. and over and over so you don't uh, end up dying in human form. True. In in uh, worlds. Oh, there's also the pro tip pit. The pro tip pit. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that that thing's that's really again like a really user friendly. Yeah. Kind of a so you know you have all your regular kind of uh, tips and and mechanics things that you go through in the tutorial, and then there's just like a big dead end at the bottom full of them. Um. <laughs> You know, which is, it's, it's a pro tip. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It teaches you about like the, like not so much tendency, but just kind of multiplayer aspects more so mm-hmm. than other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. pretty neat. Um, you also get your Nexial binding, which oh, is yeah. like the equivalent of your, uh, dark uh sign. the dark, yeah, dark sign. So you can kill yourself and go back whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all that really happens here. You're going to get the rest of your items, uh, next episode. Right. Essentially like there's, yeah, there's very little to do. So, uh, up to this first point, but you're you're about to enter, you know, one of the greatest areas of, you know, in video games. Like mm-hmm. the the whole one world is is really wonderful. Yeah, and a, a really good intro to this game. True. Um, which we're talking about next episode. Yeah. So uh, we should say who's going to be on with us because that's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, next episode we are going to be to talk about one one and one two as you mentioned. We're going to be joined by Jason Killingsworth. Yes, who is the features editor for Edge Magazine which yes just holy shit <laughs> yeah which is great um you know and we've been talking to him super nice guy awesome writer like read about his soul shit because like mm-hmm. the, you know if you search jason killingsworth uh dark souls or demon souls he's written some amazing yeah. amazing things on it it's a huge get and we're really excited about it yeah so yeah we all have that to look forward to i was about to say we but we all have that to look forward to <laughs> <laughs> As we said at the beginning, this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, our dear listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their awesome service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash bonfiresidechat. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash bonfiresidechat. 
for your free audiobook. Yeah, until uh, you know, until next time. There's kind of the regular admin stuff. Yeah, you can do. We don't want some people, you know, kind of on the Twitterverse and uh, and stuff. Kind of talked about the show as if it was going away. Now yeah. that we're done with Dark Souls, yeah. Hopefully, this doesn't mean you know, kind of a lag or anything like that. Like, we'd love to renew this new season with kind of a fresh swelling of, of you know, if you haven't yet, jump on iTunes, give mm-hmm. us some ratings and reviews and everything. We're not going anywhere. No, no. We've we've got stuff kind of planned through Dark Souls too. Yeah. So there's you know we're not taking any breaks. So realistically, this could go until 2015. Oh, even further. Yeah, if that yeah. Demon Souls too. Yeah. Uh, rumor happens like we'll just keep going as long as they keep making these games like. We we'll are, figure it out. We are bound to this nexus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to slay all of the, the Souls games. Like We have to kill all the members of From Software. Oh, no. Um, we've <laughs> been charged list- by Benefistopheles. If, you don't, but, if, you, if you're listening to this, don't take action against us for that, please. Yes, please. Or, 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 uh, or we do. say a lot of things that aren't true, both uh, thinking they're true and then also in the form of jokes. Yeah. So so <laughs> so yeah. and figuring out which things are just us not knowing what we're talking about and which ones are jokes is a fun game that you can play throughout the entire podcast. Yeah. No, if we we keep score and then we tally up at the end and the person who uh who gets the most points gets a Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Yeah, or a single Buffalo Wild Wing. <laughs> um, <laughs> with as overpriced as they are, am I right? Ah, yeah. Good fried pickles that place. Mm. Um I like their I like their potato wedges. Yeah. But uh, uh, shabby. Yeah. But yeah, uh, ratings, iTunes, reviews, all that stuff is wonderful, yeah. and will help us a lot as we kind of surge forward mm-hmm. with this new uh, new chapter, with this new venture. Um, we have a very active Facebook page that is facebook.com/slash bonfireside chat. Uh, people are posting videos there all the time, um, so uh, keep an eye out there if you are of the Facebook persuasion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, if you have feedback for us about this episode, either corrections, which I'm sure you guys have tons, because like I said, we don't know as much about Demon Souls as we do about Dark Souls. Um, or if you just want to share your thoughts about 1-1 and 1-2, um, please go to uh, www.duckfeed.tv forward slash contact, um, and you will be able to uh, get in touch with us. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we do other shows. Um, if, you, if this is your first time checking us out, this actually is part of a network, um, you know, of a bunch of, you know, video game and comedy and kind of culture kind of stuff. Uh, so Gary and I do a retro game show called Watch Out for Fireballs. Uh, Gary also does a show with his friend and uh, my friend through the network, Braden, uh, mm-hmm. called The Pitch. Uh, it is the funniest thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's about I, innovation. I'm- very proud of it. Yes. Um, th- that's coming home to roost, too. We have, before the major turn in the p- storyline, I think we have six episodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Cole, you'll be happy to hear that Port- we recorded Portland Heat yesterday. Oh, man. So there's one more episode before it, but then <laughs> uh, then Portland Heat comes out in two weeks. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, we also do a show, uh, me and Cole do a show called Abject Suffering, yes. which is about bad games and digression. <laughs> and uh, that is a lot of fun. And you should check it out as well. Yeah. Um, Cole and his brother do a show called Those Damn Ross Kids. It is a show about kind of a comedy show between a comedy show about making fun of Cole <laughs> that is structured around odd news stories and awkward silences from Chris Ross. <laughs> so if you imagine like a, a podcast constructed of all those elements in a big soup, <laughs> that is what Those Damn Ross Kids is. And it is really fun to listen to. Um <laughs> And then uh, for, you know, the video game minded, if you want kind of like a, a roundtable, um, audio magazine, news, reviews, what you've been playing kind of experience, um, there's a show called The Level um, that Cole does with some friends of mine through the network yeah. um, as well, who are all uh, smart, funny dudes, good opinions about video games and uh, well worth your time. 
Um, yeah. I occasionally will be on that show as well. Yeah. And uh, there's more stuff coming soon. Is that fair to say, Gary? That's totally fair to say. Um, the uh, Yeah. And I'll probably talk about it in the next episode. So the first one will be recorded by them. It's going to be so, so good. Yep. 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 Um, and then also just while we're throwing plugs out there, because this episode's kind of short by our standards. Yeah. Um, the, uh, if you, I do let's plays of souls games and other things. If you go to the watch out for fireballs, YouTube channel, it's youtube.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. Mm-hmm. Um, various things. I just wrapped up, uh, playing Alan wake yes. for it. Um, and then I also do various theme dark souls runs. Um, I just, I'm just finishing up my no shield blocking faith one. The next one I'm doing is a new game, regular, uh, grave lorded from the beginning, only using magic. Hmm. So I'm going to go through and never swing a punch. And there's a mod that allows you to grave your lord yourself from the beginning of the game. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm going to do that. And I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm at Gary Buh, B-U-H. Yes. On Twitter, I am at Cole Ross. That's K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. My name is spelled real weird. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think that's probably about all the admin stuff. Uh, SpookySkeletonPicks.tumblr.com. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the the best skeleton aggregation online. Yeah. Um, go check that out. I try to update that about once a week mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. And uh, yeah, until uh, until next time. Um, Umbasa. So the world might be mended. And we all pray that we will have far more soon 